Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 148. This week, we talk with Den Delamarski about the new docs.microsoft.com, programming languages used late at night, how to work your way into the job you want, and now you can start judging who lives and who dies from self-driving cars. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Aspose, the market leader of .NET and Java APIs for file business formats. Natively work with DocX, XSLX, PPT, PDF, MSG, MPP, image formats, and many more. This week we have Den Delamarski, program manager on the Docs team. Welcome, Den. Thank you for having me. Yep. Carl, uh, what's going on over on your end? Uh, we're getting ready for build. And what that means is we're making all sorts of build plans. And while we have a bunch of stuff that you'll find out as, uh, the conference progresses, one of the things that we'd like to announce is that windows weekly is having a meetup at build, uh, this year at uh, Pike brewing, and we are going to be there as well. So if you would like to meet us, Mary Jo Foley, Paul Throt, Brad Sams, and everybody else who is attracted to people like that, uh, you can meet us there at Pike brewing Thursday, May 11th. 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. There is no RSVP. Uh, the first people that get in until the bar is full, uh, get in. So I shouldn't show up late. Don't show up late. Okay, fine. I guess I have no excuse since I live here, which is really strange uh, not having to make travel plans or anything because build <laughs> is like right around the corner. And uh, until you mentioned it to me, I didn't realize how close it was. Uh, it's coming up. So I'm looking forward to talking to a lot of great people. Um, and Carl's been uh, working his butt off uh, setting up a whole bunch of build plans for us. So we are about as organized as we've uh, as we've ever been. Thanks to Carl. Uh, and Carl, what do we have for the comment of the week? This week, our comment of the week gets a developer small business license for Aspose.total for .NET, which includes all of the Aspose.NET products in one package. And we got an email from Jared. Um, Jared Goodwin, looking down at the bottom of his email. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, first of all, I love your show. It has the perfect amount of interesting topics and technical depth. I'm a self-taught application developer and am stuck at a help desk job that I hate and had originally promoted out of five years ago. Now there's a hiring freeze and things are looking even more grim. All this leads up to the biggest project I've worked on to date. It's a suite of tools for remote tech support called Instatech. It has remote control application, live chat support, and workstation management features. The remote control is similar to TeamViewer. Uh, it's all open source and I'd love feedback. So please share this with anyone you think who might be interested. Well, mm -hmm. we're interested. And if you want to check it out, it's at instatech.org. And there's also a, a GitHub uh, repo for all the different code. He's got a bunch of different stuff there. Mm -hmm. And you, he's also available at translucency.info. Okay. Yeah. No, hopefully Jared doesn't get mad at me for, for making this comment, but I don't really care like what, what the actual project is. The, the reason that I pick this as the, as the comment of the week is that, um, I really like his approach here. He sort of got stuck in this job where he's not doing what he wants to do, but he's turning that into an opportunity to do what he wants to do. Right. So he's, he's using the problem set of things that he's running into and he's, he's doing what he's passionate about, which is writing code. And he's actually writing some really awesome code. Like I, I went through, um, some of the code in the, in the GitHub repos and it's really impressive what he's doing. Cause he has to do all this real time, low level socket code in, uh, in .NET. But again, I don't, I don't even think it matters like what he's actually writing, but the fact that he is 
Um, again, forcing himself to do this, I think is a big deal. And it might not seem like a big deal to some people, but I've talked to way too many people where they're stuck in a job like this. They're stuck in, you know, they're, they're, they're in this dead end job. That's not what they want to do. And all they do is they just sit there and complain about it. And they want this, this company, this, you know, like Prince and shining armor to, to come in and like rescue them and then like teach them what they need to know. And that doesn't always happen. Um, I mean, we are in a, a market right now where, where there's, there's a potential for that, but, but just kind of sitting back waiting for, for somebody to do that. That's, it's just not, it's not a good approach. So I just really like that he took the the reins into his own hands and, yeah. uh, he's actually making something for himself here. This is fantastic. I mean, and it's yeah. even from the perspective that, you know, um, I'm talking as myself as a recent, I mean, fairly recent, I guess, college grad, three years now. Yeah. I guess it's not recent anymore. But the idea <laughs> where it's like, we look at your ability to kind of learn and get out of that, like, you know, the box thinking of, here's what I do and this is it. Like, we yeah. recently interviewed for a bunch of interns and this is exactly kind of the thing that I'm looking for of how ding, are ding, you ding, able... Ding, ding. To learn, right? Like, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. care about you being able to put together, you know, a specific algorithm, but it's more of how will you get to the solution, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what matters. It's fantastic to see, you know, you're not limiting yourself to the job. You're going, like, out of your way to build something, to learn something, because ultimately that's what's going to help you. Yep, exactly. So I've, I've talked to a lot of uh, college hires recently, and I actually interviewed a whole bunch of fairly senior people. And it was interesting because they're like, yeah, this, you know, they're like, they were hiring for a certain position and like, this is what I want to be doing. And it's like, and I, and I would say, okay, like, where's your code? Show me your GitHub repo. What have you been writing? And half of, well, probably more than half are like, oh, I, you know, I don't have anything. I haven't written anything. And it's like, this is what you want to do. And you're, you're making zero attempt to do it at this point. Um, so it's, if you want to put yourself in, in that top, you know, 25%, like just do something. <laughs> if you, if you were in college right now and you were taking classes for this, like check your code into GitHub so that you have evidence of that. And if you have an idea for at least just build one thing, at least just one thing, put a little bit of time and energy into it. And then you can walk in and say, I built this and this is what I want to keep doing. Mm-hmm. And you will be, you'll be at the top, at the top of the list. And it's like, it's such a low bar in my opinion, but it's, that's, that's the way it is these days. Yeah. And I mean, you're essentially, you're, I totally agree with you. It's, you are building your personal brand, right? Like you're no Mm -hmm. longer in the silo of, I'll hope I'll, you know, I'll get to the interview and I'll draw stuff out on the whiteboard and that's it. You know, I'm going to get the job. It's like, you will, you're getting to the job through the years as you're working, you know, you're in college, you're working somewhere else, you're building that portfolio, you're building out your resume, you're building that knowledge that you can ultimately apply to something. Mm-hmm. Like we're no longer in the age of, Hey, you know, here's the problem, solve it. Great. That we're just going to take your word for it. it because yeah. the fact that you have a GitHub repo, the fact that you have, um, you know, a good amount of contributions there, it shows your passion, right? Your, your, yeah. your passion for exactly. doing things like this is something that you actually care about. This is something that you want to do and be good at. Mm-hmm. It just seems, it seems so obvious and so simple. It's kind of sad that we even have to say it, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so good job, Jared. I think you're doing the right thing. Um, the other thing I'd say to Jared is that there are so many, um, companies out there that are, that, you know, I, I talked to so many companies who are like, we can't find good talent. We can't find enough people. Um, it, it really is a good market right now. So if you can, if you, you know, if there's obviously like sometimes, you know, geography constraints or things like that, but those come, there are tons of companies that would love to have you, uh, based on the code that you're writing. There's just, there's no doubt in my mind. So, um, 
you, you know, send us another comment in, uh, I don't know how long should we give them two months and, uh, let us know what new job you've gotten. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the goal I'm setting, or at least like an accepted offer or something. So we'll, we'll hear again from Jared in two months. So if you want to get mentioned on the show, like Jared, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com, comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. And also remember we have a new Slack channel, so you can sign up for that at slack.msdevshow.com. Yeah, we got some really cool people on there, by the way. Um, really big fans, good conversation going. So super. Guys have a Slack? Yeah. yeah. You guys are up with the times. I love it. <laughs> I, uh, we, I, we waited way longer than we should have, but yeah. So now we're up with the times. We, we sort of learned a lesson cause we, uh, you know, we, we, we created a Facebook page and I don't know, it's kind of, uh, I, I was going to use some bad words. It's, it's, um, in it's, it's totally our fault. The, you know, you just don't want to spread yourself too thin on like trying to be in all these different places. So the, the whole Facebook thing we've, we've tried to like, we, we want to shut it down. So, you know, anytime we take on something new, we want to be, we want to make sure that we can stay committed to it. So that's, what's made us kind of, uh, uh, slow to adopt new things. So that's that's a little inside baseball there. Okay, so what do we got for the news, Carl? Alphabet self-driving cars to get their first real riders. Yeah, I think this one's really interesting because this is really the first time you have a self-driving car uh, of any kind having people from the public. Um, it sounds yeah. like they're going to be having um, – am I silenting here? All right, I'll just talk through it. No, you. yeah, it just cuts out every once in a while, but you're fine. All right. Yeah. Uh, they're having a service where uh, people can uh, get into 500 uh, customized Chrysler Pacificas and uh, use them in the, um, I believe, uh, Phoenix area and be able to try them out. So it'll be interesting to see how people's expectations and real world scenarios change uh what we've all seen and heard from journalists and employees who have had a chance to use these kind of vehicles. Yeah. Isn't so it's funny. What- I'll oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, isn't that what Uber did a while ago with the, you know, self-driving car tests? I think that they did it somewhere on the East Coast. Well, they've done it in like parking lots. I don't know. I don't know what. I haven't really been keeping track about who's been doing what to like kind of in the real world because the laws are obviously way behind. Right, right. And especially with the number of crashes and everything. Yeah. Well, what's interesting. So, you know, they have a video here. Uh then and I watch it and it just kills me because they show the you know I've been I've had kind of mixed feelings on the whole uh, self driving thing like in the end I know that it will save lives and 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 that's that's where we're going to get to it's 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 a great thing you know it, that everything being told but um, you know I always bring up some some issues that I think are going to be kind of bumps along the way and they actually bring up in this video. Um, they show basically the the trolley problem that we've talked about before, where mm-hmm. the car has to make a decision between like hitting one person or another. And they actually show a scenario where there's, I think it's a pedestrian and like another car. And they just said, oh, cars will have to deal with this. And then they, like they just move on. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I guess we're just completely glazing over this now. We just ignore this issue. There's um, an interesting. So that's the answer. Tangential, totally tangential to that. MIT yeah. has built a, a web app where you can go and they'll run through a set of these kind of examples of, you know, oh, oh here's like a, a car. Survey? Yeah, so here's <laughs> a car. They actually show you, like, there are pictures of, like, here's a car, and here's, oh, you know, wow. a pedestrian, an old woman, a dog, and there's a kid, and they're, like, they shuffle that around. Yeah. And so it asks you to select, you know, like, would you pick, you know, an all-star athlete versus a, like, somebody that's 85 <laughs> years old? Oh and God, then at the end, and at the end, like after it gives you, I, I think like 20 or 25 questions like that, it tells you how biased you are towards specific groups.
groups. And, you know, yeah. it's it's an interesting problem. Definitely, like, there's so much ethical implication in that yeah. where it's it, it shows you, like, there's no single person that has the same opinion as somebody else. Right. How do you put that in code? Yeah. So do we average all of those together and just tell the machines that, you know, there's like a score and, it, you know, the problem is going to be at some point they're going to have to assign scores and and then that's going to like get out. Like Chrysler, you know, because and then what if they have different scores based on the brand? Like Chrysler, you know, hates kids, but they like athletes, <laughs> you know, more than Ford does or something. Um, this could be really weird campaign you don't want to be a part of. Yeah, because you're going to have like this, uh, this, uh, uh, what would you call it? It'd be a quotient of uh, expendability or something. Your expendability quotient. <laughs> I like. I'm excited about self-driving cars. Don't get me wrong, but like, this, yeah, yeah. The, these are the kind of decisions where it's like, yeah, you know, it's it's not a kind of it's not a binary choice. Yeah. So, so, you know, to, to kind of keep it positive. So I, I like that there's a whole bunch of testing going on. Um, this is great. I mean, this is, this is clearly progress. Um, things are getting better. Um, and we're on that path to a world where, um, you know, the, the, the traffic traffic becomes pretty much a, a non-issue and, uh, and, and we save, you know, a million lives every year. Any other comments? Move on. Uh, okay. A visual lexicon of link. Link is obviously one of the awesomest features of .NET. I think most of us will agree with that. But there's a lot of nuances with it as well. Some of the things that are really cool about it are things like that a lot of it is lazy, but sometimes it's hard to remember like which operators are lazy, which one will do immediate execution, which ones are deferred. And uh, we got a cool chart here if you go to the show notes that'll show you for every different uh, operator in Link uh, what it all can do, even like its big O notation, um, optional features of it, whether you can have like custom compares passed in or not. Um, it's really cool to not only just see what these are, but there's also a few visualizations as well to help you see what um, these all do. Did you see how they did the visualizations? Yes, they used Ozcode. Yes, from episode... How do we figure out our episode number? Not uh, last week. 87. Episode 87. Well, I'm like on the page and I'm like, wait a second. We don't show the episode number because it's, you know, it's just a number, right? But yeah, episode 87. So if you search for MS Dev Show and Oz Code, um, this is really cool. Like if I would have had, not to like pitch Oz Code, but like the visualizations are super helpful, especially whenever you get into uh, like two dictionary and some of these other things that are sort of hard to visualize. Um, you know, they actually show how it takes though, and the group by the group by was the one that always threw me off. Um, it actually shows how the things get grouped and what the output is. Man, I would have been such a better developer had I been using these tools whenever I started doing link stuff. No, I was gonna say, I it looks like such a polished product. I'm just looking at the screenshots, and wow, this Isn't is it cool. I I want this in Visual Studio right now. Yeah, yeah, this is this is this is like the best tool that you're not using today that, yeah. that you probably didn't even hear of. It's Oz Code. If you search for it on the yeah. URL, it's it's really awesome. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably I, be a build too. So they're they're usually there every year. I always go and talk to them for a while because they're do they always have something new to show off. Yeah, this is extremely helpful. I, I'm usually I got so lazy with like link and resharper that it tells you like here's what the expression you need to use. Like great, uh, I'm just gonna plug it in. I have no <laughs> idea what the impact is. Yeah, I, this, trust I, you. I need this. Yeah, I, I I grew to trust resharper. 
And now, yeah. yeah, this is great. But in any case, yeah, you know, Carl's dead on. Like, this is this is just incredible. Uh, this is just a cool way of, um, you know, has all the information about these different operations. And actually, yeah, you had like you mentioned earlier, Carl. You, Carl, you have a couple different links in here. Uh, link links, I guess I'll call them, uh, with with good link information <laughs> in those links. Too many links. <laughs> okay, should we move on? Why my handwriting sucks? I know why mine sucks. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, so uh, this guy kind of like uh, okay. <laughs> wrote uh, the quick brown fox sentence, and he has obviously not the best handwriting. And what uh, this article does is he kind of uses like what we look for in typography, X height, cap height, space line, all the stuff that normal developers don't think of, but like maybe designers and web developers do, the front end devs. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like used all of those to kind of pick apart the flaws in his handwriting and use those to improve uh, what his handwriting is. Now, Granted, uh, uh, you know, if you just look at the end result, you're like, yeah, that might not be the nicest handwriting. But when you look at it to how it started, it's definitely a little bit cleaner and more legible. So I think it's cool when we take some of the stuff that we uh, internalize as part of our day jobs and writing code and find ways to I- improve things that uh, maybe aren't technology related. Yeah, it's basically a science based approach to improving your handwriting. I, I would love to have an application of that, to be honest. I uh, from, from my own experience, I've moved to the U.S. in 2008. And one of the things that shocked me is you guys write in... Uh, you guys? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you just had to go there. Uh, uh, no, but, where, where did, so where did, where did you move from? Uh, I originally moved from Moldova, which is a country in Eastern Europe. Um, but when I moved to America, what I've noticed is... American children in schools, they are taught to write in like print. Mm-hmm. And we were taught to write in script. Yeah, it was, cursive. and whenever I would write in like script, like nobody knew what I wrote. Like looking at the letters <laughs> and stuff, it was impossible. Like, how do I even read this? So I had to learn how to, you know, if there would be a scientific approach for me at the time to say, convert this to print. And I can then fake write a program that just prints out, you know, kind of pseudo handwriting that looks like my american counterparts that'd be fantastic (laughs) it's great to see that somebody's doing progress on that because somebody will definitely need that yeah well what's interesting too so you know they were for you know when i when i was a kid they they taught you know cursive in schools and i know a lot of schools are getting rid of that now um which is interesting because you know i kind of read it without thinking about it so i could be wrong here but my understanding is too if you haven't learned cursive then it's kind of hard to read if you've only had, you know, learned regular printing, um, it's kind of hard for me to like imagine that at this point, but um, I think that's the case. At least around here, the schools that have dropped it have started uh, reteaching it again. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) Was it because of the backlash or? Well, I think that there are some, like you said, some definite benefits. I mean, there's, you're going to encounter people writing script out there and if you can't read it, um, that's going to hold you back. Yeah. I think tangentially on that, there's also a whole subreddit dedicated to uh, people being awesome when it comes to penmanship. Like these incredible yeah. handwriting notes and like the letters, the way it's like, wow. When you- calligraphy. Yeah. Some yes, people do yeah. like the calligraphy. Yeah. And- but it's not even like the, the, the thing about like calligraphy, you think of somebody specifically, you know, designing letters for this is like they write it on a daily basis. That's how they write. It's incredible. <laughs> it is. I don't have time for that. Um, okay. Programming languages use late at night. 
Yeah, so this is yet another Stack Overflow insight from their data team. And what they did is they kind of compared what is the traffic differences um, uh, on their tags, their programming languages, by the hour that it's used. And they kind of graphed that out. So you can see that there's a large spike on some that are like right before or right after lunch. And uh, there's some that trend up uh, at nighttime after hours. And there's some... Uh, you know, obviously the, what they're trying to do is what, what do our developers kind of quote forced to do at work during the day and what did they do at night for fun? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was, this was pretty cool. So I think, I think a lot of these, um, insights were in the big survey that we covered, but there's, there's some in here that I think are interesting. Um, you know, T SQL used during the day, <laughs> you can imagine here T SQL, SharePoint, uh, PowerShell, um, some of those, yeah, used during the day, but not really used at night. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you got Haskell, Assembly, OpenGL, Firebase, um, algorithm. Is algorithm of language? Assembly made the list. Yeah, shocking. People go home and they're like, you know what? I, I had, had I had too much fun at work. <laughs> too I just much need fun to with C sharp out right now. Yeah, yeah. I just want to. I just want to crack out some assembly code. <laughs> To each his own, I guess. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. This is like kind of an exhaustive report, so I don't want to go through the whole thing, but it is it is interesting. Um, and I wonder, I wonder like what the effect is of you know how much pull do these people have? When I say you know, I mean developers. Like you know, you go home and you're writing Haskell, for example. Like, does that start to translate into like Haskell in your day projects? Because you could imagine that. You know, you go into work and some some jobs are flexible. It's like, we don't care what you write it in. So you start writing in Haskell and then it's like, oh, we need to hire a Haskell person for our team uh, because the rest of us all know Haskell and that's what we're writing it in. And then it sort of starts to grow organically out of that and, and you know, become a popular language. Maybe Haskell isn't the best example, but um, I mean, it happened to me with Node. Like I have. Yeah, never that's, a good, that's a good example. Node before, like for my job, I'm technically like not required to write any Node code. Um yeah. But what I used to start, you know, uh, what was it? The Ghost, Ghost Blog. So they, yeah. they wrote their stuff entirely in Node. So I was like, you know what? I want to extend this and I need to know Node for that. Yep. So I kind of like after work started picking it up, but then it translated as like, oh, okay, I'm writing bots for our content automation. And that's yeah. entirely Node because now I know how to use Node. So it, I, I think you're absolutely right. It does translate to kind of, you pick it up as a hobby and then I know how to do this better in this language. And then you yeah. take it to work. And then, you know, so, so today's hobby language is like tomorrow's production language, at least as you know, I'm sure there's some kind of, uh, causation there. Hey, TypeScript, right? Yeah. Like oh, it started as one funny. of those things that is, you know, kind of a, Hey, here's this fun project that we've built. And now look at how many sites use TypeScript. Oh, we missed that in the news. Thank you for bringing that up. TypeScript 2.3 was just released. Uh, there's some cool stuff in there that I won't go over, but uh, we'll we'll include a, li a link to that in the show notes. But uh, they're just killing it over there. They're they're doing some really great stuff. Okay, so let's talk about docs because yes. that's why we are here. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think Microsoft has gone through a couple different iterations for for documentation. You know, just because there's there's you know it's been years and years and years and years, and this is always kind of a tough nut to crack, and the the world changes and requirements change and that type of thing. So I guess we'll kind of start start from you know like really where we're at today. Like, why did Microsoft create a new spot for documentation? This I think it's docs.microsoft.com. Correct? Uh, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Okay, so why why does that exist? Why does it exist? Well, uh, <laughs> I think there, there was a tweet along the lines from our uh, friend of the pod, uh, Miguel de Icaza, uh, that mentioned, you know, yep. if there if there would be one investment for the future for in terms of like code and software, it would be writing documentation. Um, 
I think we, our team is specifically passionate about that. We know that, you know, for a product to be successful, you need docs. You need good docs. For, you know, from your experience, knowing that as you get started with something, like with a product, probably a doc would be your first endpoint, right, that you would encounter and decide whether you want to use it or not. So previously, we had a very, very fragmented experience, right? We had uh, the Azure documentation side, we had TechNet, we had MSDN, we had uh, .NET stuff hosted on Redadocs, we had ASP.NET stuff hosted on Redadocs, we had EF stuff hosted on Redadocs. So there's a lot of places where you don't have, one, a consistent experience. So if certain features are being deployed to one site, others don't get it. And it's not like other point. teams don't need it. So things like, for example, PDF downloads, mm -hmm. super useful. You can't really enable it easily. So all those kind of issues piled up to the point where we realized that we need something that consolidates it. It's one single place. We send people there. You can find any documentation from Microsoft, any technical documentation in one place. You can find all the great features that we ship. They're available across the board. So when it comes to PDF downloads, offline books, they're all available. It's so much easier, more efficient, keeps people uh, satisfied with their experience because now when they learn about any Microsoft product, be it Windows, Azure, you know, uh, .NET, Visual Studio, they just go to one place and it's all yeah. integrated together. They're all intertwined. So you no longer have to, hey, if I want to use Visual Studio with Azure, I run two sites. You just run one and everything is right there. It's right in front of you. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because of the, the linking between the two, of mm -hmm. course. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's, yeah, it, the, the one of the things also, we, we constantly grow, right? We mm -hmm. release new products. We release new frameworks, SDK, tools. All that needs to go somewhere. And if we mm -hmm. just recommend people just, oh, you know, go and spin up your own site. Go and create your own documentation. They don't have necessarily the tooling. They don't have the expertise. They don't have the, uh, the time and resources. I mean, if you go to any team and say, you know, spend this time on building tooling when this tooling already exists, probably not the best investment from their time. We are entirely focused on building out that tooling, building out that experience that is consistent as, you know, so teams can worry about products. We will enable you to build great documentation. So what, what kind of new features are available on docs.microsoft.com that kind of didn't exist anymore on the multitude of places where we had documentation? Yeah, so one of the things that like we released fairly recently for, uh, if you look for Azure PowerShell documentation, we've introduced now uh, clear version selection, right? So if you use certain modules, you know exactly what version you're talking about. You no longer have to guess about you know, hey, is this the recent one? Is this the latest? Is this something that I need to that go download a different? Problem. Yeah, so you always see that. So this one. The other one is um, grouping of them per service. So you no longer have to guess, you know, you're using Azure notification hubs. You know exactly what's available in notification hubs. You don't have to kind of parse the side and try to figure out like, well, is this module available there? Is this not? Is this in the right version? Is this not in the right version? Um, it's, it's right there in the, in the table of contents. Um, other things like uh, the .NET API browser, we released uh, just 20 days ago or so, um, which allows you to find any Microsoft .NET-based API in one place. If you go to docs.microsoft.com .NET slash API, we onboarded Azure, we onboarded all of .NET platform, we have Xamarin, uh, iOS, Xamarin Mac, Xamarin Android, it's all there. So if you type in something like string, will point you to the right places from one place. And again, back to my earlier point where the problem previously was you don't know for what version, for what framework, where to go. You know where to go now. And this is kind of our goal is to consolidate all managed APIs or all .NET-based APIs in this one place. So you can imagine that uh, at some point, any 
managed SDK that ships from Microsoft, you will be able to find the API information there. Um, other things that we're doing is in terms of uh, sample validation, right? So what's what's kind of the, the big problem with samples? There's a lot of them. There's uh, a lot of different places that, uh, again, GitHub, there's the code gallery, there's the Visual Studio, like all these fragmented experiences are being consolidated into one. So you'll be able to find samples all in one place. Um, we're also running all the samples through a CI pipeline. So now actually all of your samples are validated and you know that once you're downloading them, they will work. They will work in your configuration. The way we've done this is a very interesting uh, system where we containerize the process. So Ooh. once, for example, if you build on top of .NET Core, um, we have a container that's being spin up, like it's either a Docker container or you can use a Windows container, where um, inside that container the code runs. So if it, something breaks, the dev can get the container itself and they know what exactly broke. So you no longer run into ish the issue of, well, it works on my machine. It's like, well, here's a container. Yeah. You can diagnose your machine, exact... your machine is a container. <laughs> exactly. So you can now look at the container and say, well, what went wrong? And like, is there a misconfiguration? Do I reference the wrong NuGet package? Do I reference the wrong version of the NuGet package? All that kind of stuff. Um, we also optimized a lot of the, let's see, uh, the ingestion pipeline for the NuGet packages. So now we can easily document any NuGet package that ships in this managed experience. We have uh, organized our Azure content better. We have offline downloads. We have just released the new offline books for Visual Studio 2017 that are now, previously, if you would have to, you know, if you use the help viewer, which uh, I know a lot of people don't use, but it's still a tool and still great. Um, if you use the help viewer, previously for books, you would have to wait months for updates to happen. Now that happens within hours. We've completely rebuilt the entire system that builds them. And they rely on, again, the open docs. So if you have contributions to your docs, so as you know, our docs are open. They're all on GitHub. You can just edit. If you edit any doc and your contribution is being accepted, and that doc is part of one of the offline books that ships with like Visual Studio, your contribution will make it there. So all the users that will use Visual Studio that will have that book installed, they'll have your content in it. That's very cool. So we are so community-oriented. We love our community. We love contributions. We want the community to be um, very feel very comfortable contributing to documentation. Like this is no longer a process where um, previously, you know, if I would ask you, how would you add, how would you fix a typo on MSDN? Right? Like, what, what was the process? I, I'd have to I, email Dan. And I, say, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. That was my that was my approach too. <laughs> yeah. So no longer do you no longer do that. You essentially you just go and open a pull request and say, here's a typo, or here, hey, I have a better it. screenshot for you guys. That's it. Like we review it, and within yeah. hours, minutes, that's live. That's on yeah. the live side for that document. Like we want to empower that's people great. to build great docs um, and improve them as they go. So mm -hmm. we certainly can document as many scenarios as we can imagine, but there are certain scenarios that we do not have uh, maybe the necessary expertise on. You know, if somebody decides to write a how to use bot framework with Node.js, right? Um, maybe we don't have an article for it. They can just do it themselves and write a tutorial and get the instant exposure of like this is an official Microsoft site that has your content on it. It's fantastic. And I mean, we've seen a lot of traction for that. Um, we're also very keen on getting like feedback. So we're very reactive to what users need. Um, one of the things previously, again, like with site issues with uh, any new requests for site features, it's very complicated to say, well, you know, if I want, uh, you know, one of the recent issues, again, was the, the, the problem with on our .NET reference, we did not show derived classes 
for certain things. Mm -hmm. um, we had a user that simply created an issue in user voice. That issue got voted up. And we said, great, there is a traction behind this. We need to implement this. We implemented it, done, right? Like you've never seen that previously for MSTN and TechNet. This is fantastic. And we are yeah. we want the community to see that, you know, your feedback matters and we act on that feedback. You're the ones using the docs. We want to make docs awesome for you. Aspose offers a powerful set of file management APIs with which developers can create applications, which can create open, edit, and save the majority of popular business file formats. Their product range supports a multitude of file formats, including Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint presentations, PDF documents, OneNote, Outlook, Project, Visio files, popular image formats, and many others. Aspose produces APIs for .NET, Java, and the cloud, which can be utilized in almost any modern language available today. Visit www.aspose.com for a free 30-day no-limitations trial. And if you get stuck, message the friendly support team for help. All technical support is offered free of charge. Remember, if you're a lucky winner, you will receive a free developer small business license for Aspose.Words for .NET, a powerful toolkit to work with Word documents in your applications. So technical question, because you mentioned samples being auto-compiled. Does that include like the snippets that are in the documentation or is that what you're calling a sample? So that's a good question. We actually kind of standardize and we're moving towards the standard of snippets in the docs. They're no longer kind of standalone text entries. We just don't just copy paste code into our doc files. What we do is we have what's called code includes. So there's a markdown extension that essentially says, from this folder, you, we have a dependent repository that you set up. So as I mentioned earlier, we have the docs repo that has all the content in the markdown format or any structured format. In addition to that, next there can be a sample repo. So you add it as a dependent repository, like, like as a Git module, if you, if you will. Um, and at build time, we download it and we allow writers or whoever you know references the content to say, from this code file, give me anything between the line three and line 15. Okay. And that it gets embedded in the it. doc. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and that way you have a validated sample. And at the same time, you know that in the content, you always get the code that's from the sample and not something that gets out of date. So for example, um, say you're building something with bot framework, you have a code sample that does it, and bot framework evolves fairly fast, and you can't just embed a piece of text and then hope that you know two months later that's going to be the same because the the sample might change, the method might they called might change, the class the namespace might change. That gets automatically updated at the build time for the content as the sample updates, so you no longer have to even touch the content. So I'm a little slow, so I want I want you to walk me through that. So I, I'm looking at you had mentioned uh, language reference for string earlier. Mm -hmm. So I went there and I noticed that the spacing is really weird. So um, there's some in the uh, in the code sections. Mm -hmm. There's actually an extra line in there that I don't think goes through. But before the first line of some of these, there's like extra spaces in there. Mm -hmm. um, I I assume that isn't intentional so i'm actually editing it right now <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic well we had another yeah. contribution great yeah um but i was i wanted to make sure too that so that code what does it actually look like if the if the sample is some if that's coming from somewhere else because all i see is the markdown right so all you see is the sample being rendered on the site. Uh, we are actually working on improving that experience to so have you kind of a more contextual okay. way to go f to know where that sample came from. Um, it's not there today, but like I said, it's uh, a lot of work in progress. We are iterating on a lot of these features. Yeah, it's coming. 
Okay. I'm about to send you a pull request here. I see exactly what you're talking about, Jason. That looks goofy. Yeah. So I'm fixing it right now. <laughs> I think it's another part. Yeah. Because the, the .NET reference, it's, uh, we just moved it literally like two or three weeks ago. Um, so there, I, I'm not surprised there is artifacts. Okay. This is great that we can fix that. Yeah. Yeah. Create pull request. So I just pushed the, there you go. So pull request 20, 2051. 2051. <laughs> All so right. does the so when we're when we're talking about like this validation of these code things like if, if we up update to a newer version of .NET or a new version of, of whatever and something breaks at that point that I, I'm assuming that for all the previous versions that code sample will stay still but we can fix it just for that one version right right so you get a report that says as we run our CI jobs, they run across what's called a matrix. So you have, you know, .NET, you know, we, we get the exact supported frameworks that the team wants to support. For example, you know, framework, .NET framework 4.0, 4.5, 4.62, like anything like that. And then we run the sample across the matrix and we see where it breaks, where it doesn't. And the team is more than, you know, welcome to say that, you know what, we don't really care about supporting .NET framework 4.0, but we do care that 4.5 is our kind of like the lower baseline. So in this case, they can easily say, look, if it breaks on 4.0, that's expected. Like we've introduced an API that doesn't just work in 4.0, but they are always aware of kind of what the status is across the board. So it's not just the latest, but it's also like across across the supported spectrum. And then are you creating all those Docker containers and doing all those tests in parallel? So yes, uh, the CI job right now, the way it runs- It's gotta be have... massive, right? Like, do you have any numbers or specs on that? Uh, we have specs. I, I don't have numbers off the top of my head, but we do run a- Good amount of parallel jobs, parallel <laughs> CI jobs. Uh, I, I have not looked at my Azure bill, so I, I uh, my manager will see this at some point and we'll check. So, um, um, yeah, we're creating ten billion containers, and I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, no, we we do have we do have limits of like spending limits, obviously set up, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, no, know. Um, another thing that kind of uh, interesting to think, and this is we've we've done. Um, we are very considerate of resources so we know when something is getting used way too much and like for example a vm is all of a sudden active for an hour when it typically ran for 10 minutes we can easily shut that down okay so that way it's not just spinning like if if something happened and it's in a weird state that gets shut down okay and then you guys have done such great work and i know like within microsoft if you say hey we have this new product and we want documentation obviously they can go to you and you know you say this is how you this is how you onboard mm -hmm. uh but like, is this something that, that, you know, a different company could use or, I mean, if not, are so, there plans to do that? Yeah. Good question. Also, uh, if yeah. you go to our user voice, which is Emma Stocks, the user voice. Is that the, like the number one request? The number one request <laughs> is make the system open source. Um, I think there are several considerations that go into that. And the main reason why we don't have it as open source today is there's a lot of moving parts. Um, a lot of moving parts in terms of, you know, uh, the, the big chunk of the system is open source, is docfx. So I think it's docfx.github.io. I might be wrong in the URL, but we can share it after the show. Uh, it says um, .net.github.io slash docfx. Yes, correct. You're absolutely right. Um, so that's docfx. Docfx is our kind of the, the at the core of the infrastructure. On, around it, we build uh, what's called the open publishing system, which contains a lot of different plugins for a lot of different system languages. We have documentation that uh, is not just .NET. So if you look at DocFX, it's designed for .NET, but we have things like 
uh, Java, Python, Node, REST. Uh, just recently, we moved to the Xamarin format for managed reference, which is ACMA XML. There's a lot of these plugins that need to play together, play well together, um, for us to have this kind of consistent experience. So it's not yet at a level of being productized, if you will. So there, to package this as an open source project would take some amount of work, some good amount of work that we are, um, I, I think we're not ready yet. Uh, it's yeah. definitely, the team is aware, like we yeah. are, this, this has been brought up many, many times. Um, definitely a lot of value in it. There's, I can't give you like any timelines or any promises, but it's yeah, definitely yeah. been on the radar many times. Well, I think I think our listeners realize that like the the amount of effort it takes to like productize something is usually like equivalent to just creating it. <laughs> so right, it's right, always right. a huge undertaking. And I mean, there's a lot of considerations, right? Because yeah. the moment you productize it, this means that it has to be maintained in a way that is good for the community, in a way that it's, you know, um, we can accept community contributions. We can integrate community code into the product and then ship the product. There's a lot of, like I said, a lot of moving parts. Um, I would say do go to user voice and vote it up. The more you vote it up, the more we see it. And, you know, if there's enough, you know, weight behind the idea, like that, that's definitely something we can consider. Okay. And then um, I'm just wondering, like the, the list of technologies that Microsoft has, um, you know, are they are they all in docs now, or is there like you know a list that that we're kind of working on getting them migrated over? What's that look like? So we certainly have kind of a a, a priority list of what will come to docs. Ideally, uh, and long term, this is something where every single technical doc from Microsoft that is intended for public consumption will be on docs, um, which implies kind of retiring of MSDN, retiring of like TechNet. We're not there yet, so. I wouldn't say that every single Microsoft product is uh, on Docs. The big ones are. So things like Azure, things like Windows, things like Visual Studio, .NET, um, they're already on Docs. Um, there is more work involved in migrating content over to make sure that we uh, account for a lot of things such as, you know, the number one thing that we need to consider is broken links, right? If I go to an old site, now I need to redirect. Somebody has to do that work. Um, we also standardize a markdown. So somebody, you know, if you use one of the older systems that used uh, some specific markup that was very designed for that system that our system doesn't support, we need to implement kind of the transition model for that, the migration. Yeah. And there's a lot of work involved with that. So not everybody's there yet, but the goal is to get them here. So, I mean, you were, you were talking about, uh, you know, transitioning things. But uh, before when Jason mentioned that he was looking at that string documentation, mm -hmm. I, I, I was doing a, a, a search and I mm -hmm. the first like four or five links were all msdn.microsoft.com mm -hmm. slash something about string. Yeah. So, so, you know, you know, we have a lot of duplicate content, you know, what, what is the uh, what are you planning to take care of that? Right. So the problem with the content that you see today and the reason for that is um, because of how recent the migration is, we are keeping both copies uh, live at the same time, both MSDN and the uh, docs version of the .NET reference to make sure that there is no content loss. So we essentially compare both sites and see, you know, are all the samples moved over? Is all the information on different types moved over? Once that's done, we'll set up the proper redirects. So once you go to, like, if somebody bookmarked MSDN links, they will go to the docs. Um, that will eventually also translate to the fact that Google only indexes uh, one page. You will no longer, you know, search for string and end up for a version of string that was designed for Windows Mobile 5.0. Um, it's going to be exactly the string for the latest version oh, of Framework. That'll be nice. Yeah, yeah and this is kind of the, the work that we've done in terms of standardizing on a four 
format for string, you just have one string page. We just use one canonical URL. It's .NET slash API slash system string. There's no weird like MSDN IDs that you see right now in the URL. Like all of that will be redirect redirected. So essentially we will get there in the coming months uh, as we validate our content. So all .NET content, all MSDN will be sunsetted, all MSDN reference content for .NET. And instead of it, you'll always get to docs. Okay. And also we set no index, no follow right now for the docs content for uh, .NET, the reference. So don't be surprised if you don't find it yet, it's, it's gonna get there. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, and then, can I can I like download the entire site and get it offline? Is there a way? So to there's do that? yeah. So there's offline books, so you can do it through Visual Studio. We also have the ability to download PDFs, so you can go on many pages across Docs and download the PDF and see what you get. We've enabled that for uh, several of our large Doc sets like UWP. You can download the entire reference for Azure. Uh, for .NET, there are still kind of uh, bugs in the PDF process, some along the lines where you can might see some you know, oh, blank pages. It. Yeah, it's on but, the left, like on the bottom there, download yep, PDF. Yep, yep, under a table of contents. Um, and th this is your way to kind of get the latest and greatest offline content. So the PDFs are generated the moment the content is updated. So if you have a new community contribution, somebody added a new article, we will regenerate the PDF and you'll get the new PDF. Uh, and this is where nobody manually maintains them. It's all an automated process, and it's all entirely kind of um, driven by the content that's on the site. So the PDF will always reflect what's on the site. So looking at some of these, I see that in the bottom there's uh, comments and people ask questions and people are answering them. So do all of mm -hmm. these comments actually get read by someone? Does it like raise oh, yeah. somewhere? Oh yeah, no. Uh, this is the 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 the, con the comments that you see on Docs. They're actually being delivered directly to our writers that own specific pieces of content. So if somebody finds an issue and say they don't feel like issuing a PR, you know, uh, they can just leave a comment and say, "Hey, by the way, you know, your screenshot's out of date. It shows kind of the wrong version of iOS." Um, and then the writer will see that and they'll come in, great. You know, they'll usually respond and say, "I updated this," or "It's in the queue to be updated." It's a very very efficient in terms of getting community feedback for those that don't want to, you know, not everybody has a GitHub account. Not everybody wants to deal with GitHub or ish, like doesn't have experience with pull requests with, you know, Git and whatnot. That's great. You don't have to just leave a comment. Okay. Very cool. I always wondered if they were just going into like nowhere into the abyss, you know, <laughs> that's, so that's, that's one of the things that we try to avoid. This is, this was yeah. the case with MSDN where you would have a bunch of comments and they just sit on a site, uh, it's no longer the case because we're actually addressing all the comments. We're looking at them and we're, we're trying to get better at it. Very cool. I also, so I also like that you guys have the, uh, the dark theme available. Uh, but Carl was wondering if there's a hot pink theme coming. Hot pink. Uh, so here's a little like trivia fact for you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I would love a Barbie theme myself. Um, <laughs> At the, at the time when we were just designing the site, when this uh, the the first mocks for the new Docs experience came out, we had this option. So you had the light theme, the dark theme. Do any of you remember Hot Dog in Windows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we <laughs> had a like Hot crazy. Dog theme, where it's like all red <laughs> and yellow. That was there. So you know, if they're kind of obviously nobody wanted to maintain it, it's kind of one of those things like you should not. Everybody like, go to user voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just default everybody into hot dog. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was such it, demand. Yeah. So we had the option for hot dog and uh, it, it was there. I, I don't think it ever shipped live. So, you know, but this is kind of your random fact of the day. Um, the, the dark theme is 
I personally myself switch every single piece of software that I can on my yep. computer to Dark Theme, Visual Studio, Outlook, yep. VS Code, Atom, mm-hmm. like all those all those things is always Dark Theme. So I'm yep. an avid user of the Dark Theme for Docs myself. Um, gotta warn you, there in some cases there are some bugs in terms of like images being you know not rendering properly in the Dark mm-hmm. Theme because they did not account for it. But again, those are the kind of issues that we would love to address and. We encourage people to, uh, as you see those, use the comments, use user voice to tell us, and we'll be more than happy to fix it. I love the dark theme. You, I, I love the fact that you brought it up. I can rave about it for hours. The dark theme is... <laughs> no, uh, I, I I totally agree. It, it throws me off when somebody doesn't have the dark theme, and I'm like looking at the computer, I'm like, ah! My eyes, yeah, exactly. Eyes, yeah. I walked in the surgical room. It's not, yeah, it's it <laughs> makes it, I don't know why, but it's kind of, again, it's more of a personal opinion, but I... I understand content better if I read it on a dark theme. Like it's less distracting for some reason. Yeah. The only my only annoy this is totally off topic, but Outlook the the reading pane for the mails is still yeah. is still is still white. Right. Right. right what right, the right. heck? Like, can't you invert it or something? I I don't know. I'm I'm guessing it looks bad in like ten percent of situations, and that's why they don't do it. Well, yeah. I, I wish I could read an, my email. Another horrendous one. Theme. If we have anybody working for Slack here, we can customize the entire theme except for the reading window. They need to fix it. Yeah, yeah. So MS Teams, there, they're kicking ass. They got they got dark theme, and it looks great. And I think that's also for for. Oh yeah, no, I love Teams for that. Um, yeah. The the one thing with Outlook, and I'm obviously just speculating. Uh, you're technically rendering like HTML content, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you can't just arbitrarily decide to like swap the colors or anything like that because you know. Yeah, you're right. This- it's it's our it's our operating system, our application, and our rendering engine. But uh, <laughs> I'm just I, yeah, right. It's like, <laughs> you know? If only there was some. But our some our hands are our hands are tied, right? right. That's <laughs> no, I, I know. I, no, I no. They the fact that it that it is white. I'm I'm guessing that that. Yeah, I'm guessing that's why. Like they they just use the rendering engine. It was probably a huge hassle to do it the other way. And then it it's probably not even that great of an experience because yeah, you get images and like stuff just you know, emails are expecting a white background, unfortunately. Right, so. right, right. Exactly. And I think there's some level of, of kind of user baseline. You know, I'm sure they've done their studies and whatnot. They've determined that look like ninety nine percent of people use a certain way. If yeah. you break that you don't want to anger people to use Outlook. Trust me, <laughs> I've worked yeah. on Outlook. Yeah, there should be an option for, you know, there should be like a checkbox for it and it just says experimental or do not use or something. <laughs> no, I'll just check it. <laughs> it's like sign off. Like, I totally agree to have a degraded experience if something happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this will cause pain. All right. Is there anything else you can tell us about what's coming up next for the doc site? Ooh, uh there's a lot coming. There's not a lot I can talk about. Um, All right, so maybe in about two weeks time. I I'd say stay tuned for large Microsoft events. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> that uh, uh, if anything, um, there is a lot of like I said, we are iterating on so many parts of our Docs experience. I'm very very excited for what team the team has done. There's obviously more content coming onboarding. Like just. Uh, yesterday, I think we went live with Bot Framework. So all Bot Framework documentation is now on Docs. Um, so more content is coming, uh, definitely more features. And if there's something that we are missing or which can be better or which needs to be removed, I don't know if that if that exists, but you know, people are very passionate about certain things. Tell us. I mean, we, this is something where a lot of people think about you know giving feedback online as a 
a black hole where it's like I just give this and it just disappears into the void. Mm-hmm. We're not that kind of team. Like all of the feedback that we get is actually being sent out to the team. We're triaging all your feedback. We see the user voice items. Like if people report things like, "Hey, you're you know, I go to this MSDN page and it redirects me to docs, but now at 404s, we fix that and we fix it within like hours. This is not something yeah. that we are taking lightly. So do give us feedback. This is this is your opportunity to make the docs better, and this is the time. Okay. Um, anything you wanted to talk about that we skipped? You think we covered everything? I would really encourage people to you know try out our docs experience, the new docs experience. Uh, I would encourage people to uh, follow our Twitter account at docsmsft. Uh, this is another channel that we are very active in terms of gauging what people are talking about, what people need, what people like, what people dislike. You know, this is where we see about the dark theme, about somebody discovering the dark theme and saying, "Oh my God, this is so fantastic! I've waiting for this for years." Um, we see that and do do contribute. We would love to review it. We would love to put it on the site. Very cool. Okay, Carl, what do you have for the app of the week? Uh, the app of the week this week is a Windows Store app called AppyText. This is actually an application written by one of the listeners of the show. And what this is is a very uh, simplistic um text editor for one of those where you just want to get in, you want to write stuff and not have any, uh, anything distracting you. Um, he does have, it, it is a free app that does have a, a pro version where you can get uh, markdown support. Um, it, it just gets out of your way and does a lot of stuff for you. Like you don't, you don't even have to save. It just does the auto saving for you as you type. Uh, that's one feature that I always love. I don't want to have to worry about losing, uh, anything that I've done anywhere. So apps that do stuff like that for me. Um, I really like those thoughtful touches and it's available on HoloLens. I see. Yeah, so if you have a HoloLens and need to uh, write down some text in there, <laughs> are, are you guys are you guys telling me that you're sending me a free HoloLens? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, Carl, Carl's got two. Carl, all right. uh, yeah, not with my money though. So uh, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Carl has no money. Send him. <laughs> okay, so Dan, what I need you to do, I need you to pick a number between one and four, inclusive. One and. four. Four, uh, three. Okay, I got. Oh, here we go. This one. Okay, it's a game for kids, but we can play this. While stranded at sea, would you rather be on a good, safe boat with no food, or be on an old, worn-out raft but with a box of food? I'd rather have a good boat. <laughs> you know yeah. what? I'll find. I'll find the island, but I'd rather be safe. Like I know if a storm is coming, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and if it's a good totally boat, worth. you could probably like catch a fish or something. And yeah, exactly. with the other boat, you only got a box of food. How long is that going to last? <laughs> right. Yeah, because you can go you can go a long time without eating. Unless the box is a flotation device. <laughs> then you have a second boat. <laughs> yeah, but if it's not hey, waterproof. See, see how you know that I'm a PM? Thinking yeah. out the box right there. Yeah, it's just like a box. Of, it's like macaroni and cheese. Okay. <laughs> or, All right, never mind. I take <laughs> it back. I take yeah, it back. Like something, something that needs cooked, right? Or, or rice, right? Like, there's like you're surrounded by water. Oh, but... right. There's gonna be a bunch of like frozen foods in the. Bo- yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a frozen. <laughs> it's a. Fr- well, it says box of foods. I, it, right. I don't you don't know. know what's in it. Yeah. Or no, could it no, be like I'll wine? Think, yeah. It's like a box of wine. <laughs> hey, some people would go for that. 
a I box mean, of frozen I, I, chicken I, breasts. I, yeah, I guess it's efficient to some people. <laughs> or it's like stovetop. <laughs> uh, uh, well, the question yeah. is, do you, have, do you have water? Because like with the food, you're probably going to need water, right? And I guess either way, I guess I... I don't know. I mean, if you don't have water, you're you're dead anyway. So then the question is moot. So well, I mean, you can survive longer, I guess, if you have yeah. food. But I still want to like. What if the no? You're not. You're not. It's a motorboat. Yeah. No. You. The thing is, if if you don't have water, you're going to die of dehydration way before you die of not eating. So the water. One of those is like high tech desalinizers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would you rather have a good, safe boat and a desalinizer? <laughs> <laughs> are there are there any startups at sea? There a- no, there's just a machine that squeezes juice packets, but no, no juice packets. <laughs> yeah, I can just like you know get water in a towel and do it myself. Yeah, it just squeezes the water out of a towel. Yeah, <laughs> and it's salt water. Yeah, that was it. A- oh, anyway, Carl, pick a number. I'll take number four. Number four. Okay, let me find a, a a free number four here. Okay, here we go. Wow, this one is wild. Would you rather live in a world where aliens are our masters or where insects are our masters? Oh, uh, I, I don't know how that would work um, with insects as masters. And I'm assuming that the aliens are going to be pretty uh, domineering. <laughs> so maybe there's a better chance of us overthrowing the insects. I'll go with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know like what? If they're like, if they're like ants. Enough. Yeah. Are yeah. they just like, follow me, follow me. Follow, you know? <laughs> is it going to be like insects, like the size of insects or is it going to be like blown out insects or is it like Olivia, giant? Yeah. I mean, I played enough of Halo that I know that aliens can be dangerous. I don't know. <laughs> insects <laughs> seems like we can deal with insects. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, master. I've squashed you. <laughs> I, I've got a can of raid, right? Uh, yeah yeah but we can't i don't i don't know i don't know there's there's more questions than answers in this game honestly (laughs) okay that was a disaster uh so dan where can uh where can people find you where can people find so i instead of like plugging my own i'd rather plug the doc site so do go to twitter uh at docs msft this is our official twitter account we always the latest and greatest announcements are coming there. Um, msdocs.uservoice.com is where we post uh, and we keep up with all your feedback. So if there's anything broken, anything that you wish, uh, go there and let us know. And uh, those are two places for uh, both feedback and questions. I'd be more than happy to answer that. We're pretty much um, have those open all the time and the response time is fairly short. So go there. Perfect. Oh, where can people? I have a question. Oh, Are you the one behind Docs MSFT or one of the people? Because I, let's, I, I will let's say, pick up that game again and see. see. No, I would I, rather I Dan say, drive Docs MSFT or. I will just say, uh, when when we asked you to be on the show, I think you responded in like ten seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, push notifications are a wonderful thing. Um, yes, I I am currently the one driving Docs MSFT. So if you see if you if you all of a sudden see some like inappropriate response or something, it's like oh, like who's in trouble today? It's probably me. Oh, I've been hacked. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what you're supposed to say. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that works. <laughs> no, if but, you say something stupid and you realize, just say a whole bunch of other stupid stuff and then say you were hacked. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, hmm, I need to come up with seven more tweets that are exactly which this is, level. Of- no, which is, I know, which is the stupidest response ever because if you were hacked, then how do you have your password still and right, how right, are you posting? Right. I, I it reco- never makes I, sense I, I when somebody says that. I recovered it, yeah. 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 Did, did you I've, have to factor enable? Somebody stole my phone too. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, I, I've rehacked back in. The hackers have uh, lost, and I'm back in tra- control. Yeah. Trace the IP with an interface and Visual Basic. Yeah. <laughs> I sent them a spike. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old reference. Okay, Carl. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So Dan, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about a subject that, you know, seems kind of, uh, you know, boring, but it's actually pretty awesome the way that you guys are doing this. And uh, you guys are doing great work over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here.